Welcome to Your Partner in Success Radio, a program that values the potential of knowledge, collaboration, and growth. The show is hosted by Denise Griffiths, who is known as an intensely curious nerd in stilettos. Each Wednesday, she is joined by co-host Ben Gay III, a renowned figure in the sales world. Ben is recognized for introducing The Closers, one of the most popular and powerful sales training materials ever produced. Having been mentored by Dr. Napoleon Hill himself, Ben has gained a wealth of knowledge on sales and life. Throughout the show, Denise and Ben delve into the world of sales, entrepreneurship, and success, exploring Ben's vast experience from guiding and mentoring countless professionals to achieve unparalleled success in their careers. Together, they offer unmatched guidance to listeners seeking success in their professional endeavors. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to your partner in Success Radio, the Closer's Inner Circle Podcast with host Denise Griffiths and Ben Gay III, where each Wednesday we are your gateway to exploring the intricate world of sales, and mastering the art of closing deals. And today we are talking about the goodnight kiss close, also known as a sales technique often used in direct selling or personal selling scenarios. And it all began on a magical evening when Ben Gay III found himself engaged in a heart-to-heart conversation with his young son. Little did he know that this seemingly ordinary moment would lead to a profound realization of the essence of closing the sale. So picture this, a slightly awkward teenage boy is bidding farewell to his date on the doorstep. The stars shimmer above, the port light casts a gentle glow. Dad was probably watching behind the curtains, but we're not going to go there. And the moment of truth has arrived. It's that crucial instant when a goodnight kiss can seal the deal or leave our young gentleman yearning for what might have been. So the question arises, what steps could he have taken to ensure a successful close? Ben, good morning. I want you to know I have the closers part two open in front of me, specifically page 65, which is appropriately for our podcast, titled The Goodnight Kiss Close. So let's rock and roll. Let's get going. Well, a pleasure. Nice to join you. And by Way, uh, said publicly so everybody can hear it. I'm so impressed with the logos and the intros and the promos, everything you put together for our segment. All of your material, of course, your partner in Success Radio, but uh, I'm especially grateful for what you've done for the Closers Inner Circle podcast, our Wednesday show. Uh, you uh, are, are making me, making us. I'm most appreciative of you making me look good and professional. Really good at what you do. And if anybody's listening who would like to uh, do a podcast or have a better website or whatever, uh, Denise Griffiths is your person. Get in touch with her. And uh, she's done me and us a world of good. On the good night. Kiss Thank close. you. Hey. Let's see. Now we're done. We don't have to talk anymore. You yeah. just said everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. good we can, we can close it down. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate that. Well, it's uh, meant from the heart. I'm very, very impressed with uh, you and what you do and what you've done for us and some of the people that you've uh, introduced me to and some of the people that you've introduced me to, thanks to you and this show and some of our contacts. Uh, I'm, in con- I'm in contact again with people I haven't been in contact with in years. And, uh, oh, that's so wonderful. That, 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 yeah, that's a pleasant bonus that uh, I really was expecting. I've been at it so long, I rarely meet someone, unless they're new to selling, I rarely meet someone that I haven't met before or they were in a seminar or they've read the book or whatever. And uh, so it's nice. It's like uh, you introduced me to a different generation and or a different group of people and reignited some of those friendships, and I really appreciate that. I'm so glad you said that because I did not know. We hadn't talked about that. but And it wasn't something that I thought of 
you know, when we were building this, when we were talking about this. But of course, now that you're mentioning it, it makes sense that a new generation would find you. Sales are sales. And the, when you can find an expert, a proven expert in sales, no matter your generation or your age, you should listen. And thank goodness people are doing that. Interesting. Uh, well, ships pass in the night and so on. I was uh, sitting in a hotel somewhere, lobby, and either done or to do uh, my little thing and I heard this voice behind me coming close and uh, it was David Doho who you know, you've heard of or had on your show or whatever a legend in direct selling in the home improvement business especially but in almost anything and uh, related to selling so I stood up turned around and said David Yoho, how are you? And he said, how would you get with me? I said, well, I know that voice anywhere, uh, and it's a pleasure to finally meet you. He and I have been doing seminars, not shoulder to shoulder, but, you know, on Monday, he's on Wednesday, or I'm on the morning, he's in the evening, for 40 years, and we had never met. Um, but I, But I knew his voice. Uh, he has one of those Earl Nightingale type voices, and uh, so I recognized that immediately. I was very flattered that I knew his voice, but we were both amazed when we started comparing notes. Forty never shook hands. Uh, time, different place. It's, it's funny in this business. I, Dan Kennedy and I have been friends and in, uh, uh, endorsed each other's material for 40 years, I think, I believe what he said but we had never met so we're doing a thing for some dental company in Atlanta and I walk into the room and he's up on stage performing and I said all right finally I'm going to get to meet Dan Kennedy we've been threatening to do this for years and uh, Dan is sort of a recluse I don't know if you know his reputation but uh, I do uh, I remember a few years ago when he was so very ill that people were wondering if he had passed yeah, well, some several people reported he had passed. They did. Uh, good friend, yeah. yeah, good friend of mine who should know better uh, announced his death, and Dan and I laughed about it, quoting Mark Twain when he was reported dead years ago. He said the rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated, and uh, sort of happened to Dan. But anyway, I'm in the back of the room thinking, oh, okay, we're going to finally meet. He's been so nice to me over the years, and I tried to return it and so on. And then he finished, and he got a standing ovation. And when they sat down, he was gone. Dan's type who goes out the back. I spend time in the room. I'm, I'm usually the first one in the room if I'm going to speak today, and the last one to leave. I'm, I'm, I know the sound of vacuum cleaners uh, better than anyone in the speaking business. It's, it's like being in a nightclub. 2.30 in the morning, vacuum cleaners are running, the lights have come on. Well, that's me speaking business. I, I like to talk to the people, and I assumed he did. Well, they sit down, he's gone. I said, where where'd Dan Candy go? They said, oh, he had a car waiting for him out back, so he went out the stage door, and he's gone. He's probably almost to the airport now, so that's how close we came, and after all these years, we technically still have not we haven't met, shake hands. You know, people believe that if you're in the speaking business or you're a dentist or whatever, you know everybody else in the industry. And Or you've heard the one I love. Hi, I'm from New York City. All right. Do you know Bobby Schwartz? He lives in New York. <laughs> you sort of got to get a picture of New York City in your mind to know the odds of knowing anyone there. Never mind Bobby Schwartz. So it was it was a pleasure meeting uh, uh, Dave Yoho that way, and uh, almost meeting Dan Kennedy that way, and lots of other folks. I'm gonna write a thing for Facebook in the next day or so because it happened to me this week. But one of my favorite sentences when somebody walks up to me is, "You probably don't remember me, but," and what usually comes is a compliment because they were in a or something. I've even had people in Dallas, Texas, 12 years ago, was in the third row, had a yellow shirt on, 
<laughs> thinking, yeah. Oh my! Yeah. <laughs> it, you made I'm you made that um, shirt. I can't. I yeah, can't you. They remember it. you, right? <laughs> Having shaken two and a half million hands, I estimate over the years, because I'm available. If they're in the room, I shook their hand, and they wanted to have it shook. So that's about two and a half million people. It's a little hard to focus in on the guy in the third row in Dallas with a yellow shirt, but I appreciate the uh, feeling. But uh, you may not remember me, but is usually followed on by something like, I don't know if you remember saying this, but and something that literally turned their life around, uh, usually in my case financially times personally and uh, that really uh, means a great deal to me and I look forward to them and unfortunately both of these you may not remember but had positive endings while we're talking about this this is a little off subject but that's my nature I'll tell you a great story about how you never know how you're affecting other people be kind to everyone you never know what battles they're going through Somewhere this morning, just this morning, at three, uh, I forget what the number was. The point was this two, two of the last four people you met, or three of the last four people you met, are going through some crisis that you know nothing about. Be kind to them because you just don't know. Anyway, the nice gentleman, first name was John, uh, called me one day, and I, I forget whether we met or not, but he asked, I was in Marin County on one end of the Golden Gate Bridge. He was in San Francisco on the other end. And uh, he said, can I come over and talk to you? And this was before I started officially coaching. I would talk to anybody uh, any time if I thought they needed it until he said to me one day, you know, if you build for those hours, you said, we'd be wealthy. <laughs> so, uh, I started a, a, an official mentoring program. But back then, if you good story. My thing was come over. We drove over to the house and we sat and talked and he was talking about a business and he just failed in the business. I gave him my uh, buck up and get through this uh, set clear-cut goals, etc. Et uh, I could put it on a recording because for most people they all need to hear exactly the same thing. So after an hour or two he shook my hand said he thanked me very much and left. Fast forward two or three years, I'm starting the call center industry, and I had a partner in that business named Sam. Uh, Sam Mayo was his name. He's dead now. But uh, Sam, for some reason, had this young man to lunch for something else he was doing, and he happened to mention my name. And the man bowed his head and started crying. And Sam was telling me later, he said, I was thinking, oh, my God, what did my new partner do to the guy? Well, it turns out he was the John who wanted a few minutes of time a few years before uh, over on high end of the Golden Gate Bridge. And uh, I spent the time with him. Uh, he goes on to tell Sam, I wrote my suicide note. I folded up some possessions, clothing, and so on that Important to me. I don't know why, but people who jump up the Golden Gate Bridge usually do something like that. And went over to see Ben Gay, and we had a nice chat. And on the way back, where I planned to stop mid span and jump up the railing, I decided to go forward and see if I could make this thing work after all. And I did, and been successful. And you and I are meeting today, Sam, because. Gay took the time to care about me. There was nothing in it for him. I'm not sure they knew who I was, which is very accurate. I didn't. Uh, and uh, so it turned everything around for me. And that's what the David Yohos and, and uh, Dan Kennedys have done for so many people around the globe without even knowing it. They know what they're up to, but they don't know the effect. And so it's sort of nice to have that from time. Time. We promised our listeners the night kiss close. For those of you with your hymnals in front, that's page 65 in the closers, part two. And I'm not I'm gonna resist the temptation to read any of it to you, but here's the gist that I was talking to 
uh, one of our sons, Josh, one day. He's about to have a date, and he wants to know how to obtain the legendary goodnight kiss clothes uh, or the goodnight kiss and, and, and what did he do to do it. And in the book, I talk about that that's so typical of salespeople who ask me, you know, they were late to the appointment. They're seeing a shoddy product. It's overpriced. Uh, they haven't practiced the presentation. And also now they want to know what's the magic close. And since I'm sort of famous for the closer series, yes, I'm partly to blame for that. I think maybe we'll write a new series of books called Openers or the Openings instead of the Closers. The close is a very important part of the process. And the reason sales come apart is they don't, the, the salesperson, quote unquote, doesn't have the courage to ask for the order. Uh, fear of rejection, uh, fear of you know, whatever, fear is it. But they, they won't ask for the order. So we spend a lot of time teaching people how to do that. The trick, though, more often than the close that's necessary, it's the logical conclusion of a conversation that happened to be a sales presentation. you got to wrap it up where you can't move in and, and stay with the family. Uh, you got to close it and be done with a yes or a no and go with your life. But most of the sales presentation is an extended version of the opening. And what I told Josh that day was that by the time you're standing on the doorstep and you've acted like the normal teenage boy, it's too late to the last minute caller. And they say, you don't want to go to the dance, do you? Uh, and, and when she, because she had no other choices, perhaps she said yes in spite of the clumsy approach. Um, he uh, then said, okay, I'll, I'll pick you up at 7 let's say, and then at 7.15, 15 minutes late, the horn, the horn honks outside in the street, expecting her to come running out and get in the car. And nope. He, uh, and he, uh, uh, no, that would never happen yeah. to me. You uh, walk your butt uh, to the door, you meet the parents, you do not honk at me or snap your fingers at me. It won't go anywhere. It won't go anywhere yeah, good. Absolutely. I was at my family's house one evening. I was seven years older than my little sister. So I would visit back when she was going out on a date. And I remember one night, she's sitting there all dressed up, ready to go somewhere. And I saw the lights in the driveway. I pulls in, and I hear beep, beep. And I thought, oh, this is not going to go well. Because <laughs> my father was an old southern gentleman, and nobody beat his daughter, but I was proud of both of them. Neither one of them flinched. It was like it didn't happen. Little pause and then beep, beep, beep. The one of them flinched and uh, finally there was a knock at the door and my father opened it and said, yes. He said, well, I'm here for the day. And he said, was that you walking in the driveway? <laughs> yes. And he explained to him how it would work in the future if Jane ever agreed to see him again. And it was quite a, a lecture. James theory about stuff like that was if you can't get, if you can't deal with my father and my brother, you and I don't have a future anyway. <laughs> so you're gonna have to deal with them for the rest of our lives if this goes anywhere. So anyway, the, the walk in the, the out in the street is next. Uh, usually greeted, she's greeted by a guy who's sitting in the seat with a beer can between his legs. And then they give the dance, and he spends his time flirting with the other girls uh, in the room, and her to a degree, and kidding around, seeing who can cuss the most with his boyfriends, and so on. And then uh, probably hasn't brushed his teeth, and on top of that has garlic pizza or something. And now he's on the doorstep and wants to know the closing, uh, what magic closing question or statement should he make to get the kiss? And the answer to that is there isn't one. Force yourself upon her. But as far as getting a kiss, 
based on her eagerness because you've treated her so well? The answer is none. And that, but that's where salespeople come to me. You know, done this wrong and this wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. What the magic close? There is not one. Uh, you must work on the open, and we discussed that in in depth in the good night kiss close. I encourage you. If you haven't already, or get the book and read it if you haven't already, and lots of other stuff in there. We'll cover many of these as we go along. But but people people buy from people they know, like, trust, with whom they feel safe. And it's your job as a salesperson to become that person. People say, yeah, well, you've known some of your friends 50 years or whatever. Uh, how do I do when I first meet them? You can become a person that they know, like, trust, and with whom they feel safe in 10 minutes or less. Sometimes. sometimes. We did, a long time it's ago. Like, we were like so comfortable it, together immediately that we've been solid friends since. Yep. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the connection is immediate, uh, almost chemical, uh, but usually it takes a little knowledge and so on. To I may have told you this story before, but it still cracks me up. I was doing some training for SCI. They're the alone the uh, cemetery and funeral homes probably in your town. They're the biggest uh, cemetery people in the world and the largest pre-need organization that people go out and sell your plot or services or or whatever ahead of time save you having to do that on the uh, that horrible day and so I was testing some scripts written for me when I write scripts I always go out and test them. I don't assume that that's good because frequently the customer tells me no that's not as good as you thought <laughs> they don't fall to their knees and whip out the wallet uh, something's missing so I have to work on it so, so I tested these scripts, and I thought they were pretty good, and I'm going to give one last test before I turn them over to the company as I head out for cemetery operation in Sacramento, California. This the sales manager said, Ben, would you mind taking, I forget what his name was, Bobby, some young kid along with you and let him watch you in action. I said, no, not at all. So he gets in the car, and we had five, I'm quoting from memory, but I think I'm right. We had five leads to run. And we got into all five houses and uh, ran the script on them. And I'm again, quoting from memory, I believe we left with payment four out of the five. One needed to think it over more and put the money together. And they came in a couple, three days later. So of five out of five, Closing ratio. Well, I'll say 4.5 since I didn't get the payment on all five at the time. Heading back to the office, and I said, Did you pick up any tips or anything? And the guy said, Mr. Gay, I would have learned it was great and I'm honored to be with you and so on, but I would have learned so much more if your sales today hadn't all been laid downs. Now, for those of you new to the sales world, lay down is sale that just fell into your lap and unless you vomited or started cussing irrationally or something, anybody could have gotten. None of these were downs, but I got all five, four and a half, uh, because I knew, I knew the opening. I knew the good night kiss close. I knew to play with the dog. I know that the way a woman's heart is through her child's hand. Um, I, as I walked into the room, I found common things. You know, maybe a picture of a horse. We used to raise Tennessee Walkers, had two world champions. And uh, not we, me, the generation before me, father, uncle, and so on. And uh, so I'm always prepared to talk about horses. Well, I have friends in the race car business, uh, whatever. If you see the, the family in a uh, picture with the white shirts and ties, and everybody's good looking. You know you're in an LDS household, and I have many LDS slash Mormon friends and stories to talk about and so on. So rather quickly, 
I'm, and this gets into another chapter of the book, I'm infiltrating uh, the family, sales infiltrating. I'm becoming part of the team, and I'm setting up my goodnight kiss clothes. Uh, I'm, it's going to be hard to say no to me in a few minutes because I'm your buddy. I'm the newest member of the family. I spend a lot of time on the opening. Uh, again, I may have told you this I, when I get a good story that makes a point. I like using them over and over again. We're at a client's office in Pasadena, California, and during a break, I'm out on the patio in the back with several of their salespeople, and I look over and a squirrel comes down out of the tree, runs up this railing, goes over and picks up a soda cracker and starts nibbling on it. Well, and I, I'm a city boy, but even I know that soda cracker was probably placed there by a human who has some sort of weird relationship with a squirrel. So I said to the people there, What's the, what's the deal with the squirrel? And they said, that's Buddy the Squirrel. And I'll use a pseudonym. That's Buddy's squirrel. Well, Buddy uh, is known, uh, was hired because by a friend of mine who's a billionaire to be the hardest gatekeeper on the planet. She'll be friendly and nice and charming. You don't get past her. You don't get in to see my billionaire friend unless she says, I at every person who's trying to get in to see him as the person who could get me a promotion or end my career based on the quality of the person I let in there. So I'm not being mean, I'm being protective. And that all came later. So anyway, I said, that, so that's that's Buddy the Squirrel. Yep. And she feeds him every day. Yep. So when I got home later that afternoon or the next morning, I went to our local feed store, and I said, do you have, is there such a thing as gourmet squirrel food? And they said, actually, there is. Um, they showed it to me. And I said, I'd like five pounds of that. Or I, I had a priority mail box, medium flat rate box. So I said, I, to fill this, and that turned out to be about five pounds. So I addressed the box, Buddy the Squirrel, at the company name and address, and sent it priority mail they had it in a day or two and the day or so from the day I go by the phone rings and my lovely new best friend and she said buddy loves his food absolutely loves his food I do for you and I thought I don't mean anything done for me I just love animals and I saw you taking such great care of buddy I thought I would pitch in she said any time you need anything from this company, don't you know? Sneak around or call this or try to outsmart anybody. Just call me; I will handle it. And if I've told you the story before, you might even remember the punchline. <clears throat> Another visit down, I had gotten a mail ahead. My invoice, which was substantial, full days training and some books and so on. So on the way out, I handed her the uh, invoice and I said it should this to you a week ago. I'm sorry, but uh, get a chance. And as I turn to leave, she says, whoa, easy peasy. Hits two buttons on her computer, it looked like, and out came a check for that amount instantly from the hardest gatekeeper protector of the company on the planet for the cost, flat rate mailbox or squirrel food. That's the good night kiss closed in action. It's sales illustration in action. It's getting in with the person and becoming their friend. Now, on top of all that, you should still be selling, most importantly, a quality product or service that's competitively priced, and you should spend your time talking to people who are talking, emailing, texting, whatever, people who are qualified to buy it. Uh, you could be the greatest salesperson on earth, but if you try and sell me an oil tanker, I don't need one. Thank you very much. I have no use for it. I probably don't have the money to buy it. I have what an oil tanker goes for, but I'm not the right person. So you need to talk into the right person. Now, talking to me about it might work out well for you, 
don't waste too much time because later that day I may talk to a person who's in the market for an oil tanker. I'll match you up. I just matched up yesterday clients. One was looking to change his investment portfolio, and the other one sells precious metals, gold and silver. Uh, for the company that just got recently endorsed by Judge Andrew Napolitano, and he's one of their top people. So I was able to say to him, I got a good prospect for you, and to the person uh, looking to rearrange their portfolio uh, who expressed an interest in precious metals, I said that as an unqualified observer, I tell you, you shouldn't have any more than 20, 25% in gold and silver. But if you have any, this is who you should go to. You know the company, you see him on television, you know Judge Andrew Napolitano, and I give you my personal guarantee that this man is honest, trustworthy, and will look out for it. So they met while I had done the goodnight kiss close for my gold selling buddy in advance. All he had to do was make the phone call he did and and I, I don't know the details and frankly don't know him, but the gentleman has made a purchase and altered his portfolio because I told him a person he knows, likes, trusts, whom he feels safe, I told him why he should handle him properly, set up and connected him. That's not only sales infiltration, it is the good night kiss close. So the message for the segment might be learn how to be a good opener. Learn how to um, maintain that friendship, whether it's 10 years old or 10 minutes old. Actively work on it. Understand what you're doing at any given time, where you are in the sales process. And hello, how are you? Give me a kiss isn't the answer. No, it's it not. I've got I'm a sorry. couple of ob- I have a couple of observations and a question. And sure. what you're sure. talking what you're talking about here is getting to know people. When you walked in, and I love that squirrel story. I had to bury a squirrel this weekend. We had a terrible storm just came out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, one of my friends, it was a birthday party I was hosting, one of my friends said, why is that squirrel hanging on the side of the tree? Listen, limbs were falling, the wind was lashing, lightning was, you know, thunder, it was horrible. And I said, I'm pretty sure that squirrel's dead. It wouldn't be hanging there under normal circumstances. Well, right about then, I realized that there were two huge dogs running around like crazy in my front yard. They had busted out of their yard a few houses down and they were lost and they were scared. So I'm out there in the rain with my friend Maggie. It's her birthday. We're grabbing these dogs, trying to, you know, herd them into the backyard. And this is right after the the lightning strike. So at some point, and we got them back there, thank goodness. One was a pity. Most people are a pit bull. I love pit bulls. I like I like dogs. So anyway, we get the dogs back there. I give them some food, and we, you know, try to climb back into the house without them wanting to come in and meet my cats who wanted to meet them and (laughs) apparently kicked their butts from the look on Hamilton's face, like, do not like that man here. But anyway, all of a sudden, I realized that these dogs are trying to climb one of the pecan trees, and eventually the wind knocked this poor squirrel down, and it was already in full rigor. It was dead. So I'm out there thinking, I'm going to have to get this squirrel away. But all they did was bring it to me. They didn't harm it in any way. But I love squirrels is my point. <laughs> but I did I did have a point. It, and that is when you walked into that office where this woman you knew was going to be saying no, 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 or you were sure that she was going to try to say no, you were paying attention. You were looking around. You were finding out what she is engaged in, where her heart is. You know, the way to talk to her and engage with her as a real person and not a salesperson going, uh, you want this, right? No, I really don't. <laughs> so, I mean, it, you're very observant and you've, you're a seasoned salesperson, but you have learned, again, this is an observation, observing people. 
And I think that's what yeah. a lot of people do. You know, they just like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to go in there. I've got the script. I've got the, and I'm going to get the sale. If I don't like you because you came in late or you're sloppy or you've got pizza in your teeth or whatever, and I know there's a beer sitting in the car, it's not going to happen. I have to, again, know you, like you, and feel comfortable with you. Otherwise, it's like, no, thank you. I don't care how big a deal it is. You go now. Go, go, go. And I think a lot of people are that way. If we don't like you, you're not going to sell us a darn thing. Absolutely. The, uh, you know, if I'm buying a pound of bacon uh, at the grocery store, I don't have to know you or like you. I want a pound of bacon. It's probably already wrapped up, but if I have to say to the, to the cutter behind the counter, give me a pound of bacon. I don't need to know how many children he has or anything. But when it gets into anything that's optional, I, you know, if I was sent for a pound of bacon, I don't have a choice. I must come back to Gigi with a pound of bacon uh, about a story. And uh, But when you get out of that and get into the optional category, right then you're into selling. Uh, and selling has rules and regulations and procedures and so on that are going on, whether you know it or not. It's not important that you uh, agree with the rules or that you like the rules. It's like gravity. Gravity works to all our advantages sometimes. Most of the time, we don't spin off into space and, and die from lack of oxygen thanks to gravity. But gravity is also annoying. I broke a coffee cup this morning. Gigi's not near shot, so I don't have to admit it, and I cleaned up to the point. I don't think I'll know what happened, but it came from her side of the family. The uh, so, so this morning didn't like gravity. No. But gravity, but gravity goes on whether we like it or not, and how people make mind decisions goes on whether we like it or not. And they want it, even if they couldn't explain it to you, they were presented to you in a certain way. For instance, the old cliche, people don't buy uh, features. They buy the benefit of the mm-hmm. culture. And that's what you look They want, want to know uh, what's in it for them. I tell this right, to all my web clients. They'll say, oh, I want this, 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 and this. By the time I'm through consulting with them, they don't want three quarters of what they thought they absolutely had to have. And I will tell them, in your mind, walk into your brand new website and tell me what you see. And they're like, oh, I see this. I said, okay, what's the path? Where are people going to go? What do you want them to do? And that's where it all breaks down. They don't know. They haven't thought it out. The the even older adage is people don't buy quarter-inch drills. They buy quarter-inch holes. The drill is nothing but a tool, pardon the pun, (laughs) but it's nothing but a tool to get what they want. So in that getting to know them, sales infiltration, good night, close procedure, you need to find out what do they want because they're saying, whether they know the phrase or not, what's in it for me the whole time you're talking. Uh, A salesperson won't get to the point fast enough. I say, excuse me. Let me give you a free, all I want to know at this point is what's in it for me. What is the benefit of me reaching into my pocket, pulling out a debit card, instead of keeping the money in my account? What Will I be happy when I'm heading out the door having uh, enlisted the debit card? Will I be happy walking out the door happier than I would have been without the product service? To get to that point quickly, uh, all the stuff is wonderful. Now we've bonded and we both play dogs and you have a small child. That's wonderful and important. But now I want to know what's in it for me. And we must get there quickly using scripts. We're drifting a bit in conversation, but I can't talk about selling much without scripts. And here's a way we found in the last year or so to describe even that or chunks. I used to uh, hold an opportunity meetings when I was in the multi-level marketing business. We had a, uh, I 
think it was 47 minute word for word sales presentation. And you could get terminated if you if you varied off the script. We don't we thought but thought we meant word for word so that we were all operating from the same place. Well, we're not advocating people say, I don't like scripts. Well, if they've been selling more than 30 days, they're already on a script. They've developed their own consciously, subconsciously, what have you. The question is, because they say the same thing over and over and over and over again, uh, whether it works or not. So the question is, are you on a good script or a bad script? Are you on an effective script or an effective script? But you're on a script. So let's we can just put that part of the argument aside. Then you don't have 47 minutes to explain everything that you know about the product beginning to end unless you've come there specifically for that reason. They want to know what's in it for me, get to it, get to it, get to it. And there's where chunks come in handy. From that 47-minute presentation I have in my mind now, I could lift out probably 40 sentences to drop in as needed, where needed, without having to do the whole thing. But if I'm going to tell you about the benefits of the the zippity uh, do zinger, I want to explain them to you in the most effective way I can. That's called a script. Even with night kiss clothes and sales infiltration, everything is on a script. If I've repeated a story here this morning, uh, I apologize, uh, but it was word for word the way you heard it the first time I told it. As I found out over the years, the most effective way to present certain ideas, and once I found that out, how would I change it? Unless I can find some little tweak that makes it even better. But short of that, I'm not changing an effective presentation. My goal is to find an effective presentation. Again, I may be repeating myself, but the Wall Street Journal has been mailing out a letter for, I think they're right at 50 years, paraphrasing. If I quote it directly, I might get sued because they trademarked and copyrighted it. But it has to do with 25 years ago on a bright spring day, two young men graduated from XYZ College. Today, one is the CEO of the company. The other one is stuck in middle management. And then they go on to imply that the significant difference between the two, same age, same education, same school, same classes, was one on to read the Wall Street Journal every day, and the other one didn't. That letter is the highest producing direct sales letter of its kind ever in history in any publication, in any subscription. Now, they mail out other letters, but what they're trying to do is find a letter that's even better than their control piece, which is the spring day letter. And when they get that, they'll make little tweaks or change the whole letter. But so far, 50 years later, they haven't. It's a magic presentation. Your job is to find your magic presentation. And then, you know, sound just like you thought of it casually off the top of your head. In the same thing over and over and over again. Mark Twain, played by Hal Holbrook. Hal had nine and a half hours memorize Mark Twain's stories in his repertoire, in his head. He told the same story every time he walked on stage. uh, It was his test story. He knew the reaction to that determined what the second story would be in his nine-and-a-half-hour library. And the reaction to that, the third story and the fourth story and the fifth story. He maintained that in all the years he did Mark Twain, he passed away recently, in all the years of Mark Twain, he never gave the same presentation twice because the story shifted in order. Many were dropped out since it was a two-hour show with intermission. Can't do nine-and-a-half-hour material. Some were dropped out. If one he'd never used before felt like it would fit, he dropped that one in. Everything you heard out of him was a script chunk. He could have there and gone, hi, my name is Mark Twain, for nine and a half hours, since that wasn't one of his options, he had to pick and choose script chunks, always the effective ones that he had practiced, that he knew how to deliver. 
Same thing when you're in someone's home, office, or on the street, uh, making a presentation of some sort. Uh, if you really want to see great salesmen in action, salespeople in action, go to your local county fair. We have one coming here. I think it's this weekend. And Judy will go because she's an old classical Californian, and she'll see a lot of her old friends. You'll find me on the main uh, runway listening to the food chopper salespeople, the cookware salespeople, uh, and so on to see what their presentation is. And I always listen to the presentation at least twice to see if they're giving the same way twice. Uh. If, I see, if, I see, if I see them, the crowd thins out. They've made whatever they're going to make, and now they're gathering a new crowd. If the new crowd doesn't hear what the last crowd heard, I'm listening to an amateur. He or she should have long since figured out uh, the best way to present the food chopper or the Teflon pan or the uh, food the blender or whatever. And that presentation should be word. And if they have 20 people standing in front of them, they ought to get the same percentage out of the first 20 and the second 20 and the third 20. It's, it's like stamping out or putting sausage uh, through a, I don't know what you put, but they stuff it into the tube. Um, Casing, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not magical science. It's a process people have worked out and mastered, and they don't want you to come in with a new idea of, of how to make sausage or a sales presentation. I used to be an assistant buyer of housewares at Mason in Atlanta. It was called Davison's then, but it's Macy's. We had a lovely lady named Joan Oster, as in Osterizer. It was her stage name, like Betty Crocker. And I would watch her work. I didn't know I was going to be in the the rest of my life, but I would watch her work. And the way she uh, explained the Osterizer and the book, which was a newer idea then than it is now, wearing blunders and, and so on. The way she would describe it was terribly effective, funny, people all laughed at exactly the same time. And I heard her presentation 25 or 30 times a day. And then I remembered when I walked out on the floor and I heard different words coming out of her mouth. The Teflon pan, frying pan, had arrived. Very first ones. Or she sold the very first ones. And her first day in the store with pan listened to her and it was really good and then I listened to her and it was uh, really good and then it dawned on me that's verbatim what she said last time. First day on the job she worked out her script and over the next two or three days she changed a few things here and there and once it was locked in after about four days I never heard you could have played one record over the other, over the other, over the other it would have sounded like the Mormon Tabernacle Choir singing she, was, and I, she didn't know it. She didn't no. know it, or she wouldn't have been a demonstrator at Macy's. Uh, but she could have been a great, about money in the pocket, great salesperson. Looking back, she had all the fundamentals that I had to spend years learning. I could have learned it from own oster, own osterizers, and frying pan. And you know, it's, and I'm getting people going scripts. Really, you know, that's it's foreign. It's a foreign idea to a lot of people. But I've had your book, and I've known both of your books, and I've known you for a long time. And even though if I had to stop and think about it, I wouldn't say that I ever thought I needed scripts. Because truthfully, and you mentioned referrals you know, a, a bit ago, and I wanted to talk about that. We can talk about it another time. But just recently, I have a, a good friend who's a very famous PR person in Hollywood, and she sent me two clients back-to-back. I almost didn't have to talk to them. They were saying, how do we pay you? When do we start? I mean, she, I was so sold by the time they got to me. I, I called her. I said, what did you tell them? It's like, what What have you promised? And she said, nothing. You don't do or can't do. But terrific clients. But talk about a warm sale. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have to do anything, but I did. I have scripts for web development. And I have scripts for social media marketing, whatever it is that they need. 
because I need to get the information to them quickly, even though both of these honestly had made the decision. But they were going to make the decision without really knowing what was in it for them, and I wasn't having it. So, you know, I made sure that they knew exactly what they could expect from me, what I would expect from them. And it is a script. I've had it for years. And then more recently, yeah, and I didn't even really realize that I needed it, but it just, it makes my life easier if I can run through it and say, okay, here's what's going to happen. Here's what you get. Here's what I get. This is the time frame. It's all there. And I record everything. So there's no, oh, I forgot about that. You know, I, I try to cover all bases for all of us. And then more recently, I realized that I needed to kind of tighten up my mental script for the pre-interviews that I do for the website, not the website, I'm sorry, the podcast, because each Tuesday, I have five or six pre-interviews. I always do a pre-interview for your partner in Success Radio, and they're supposed to run 15 minutes. They never do. They always run half hours, sometimes more. But People need to know. They're, they're there. They've asked to come on the show. They're just waiting for me to invite them. That doesn't make any difference to me. They need to know, again, what they can expect from me, what I expect from them. And I cover all the bases. And you know what? I don't have any drop-down rates or drop-out rates. They all show up because they know what's going to happen. Yep. Yep. And they know they're in good hands. People like to do business. People they know don't trust and with whom they feel safe. safe. Uh, and comfortable, right. Absolutely right. Oh, and I mentioned earlier that I also had, you know, I had some observations. I'm also going to issue an edict, <laughs> just so you know, so pay attention. You talked about um, the opening. I think, in fact, I'm going to insist that we, you and I get together and we write an article or a white paper or something on the opening. I do it. You do it. We need to help people figure out exactly why that is such an important part of the, the Good Night Kiss Close. Start with the opening. Well, do it. We'll do it. In the example that you just gave of the event you to lockdown clients, the Good Night Kiss Close, perfectly done, she just did the first half of it or the first three quarters of it for you. I like to brag that I have an 86% closing rate on significant sales. I don't care. Somebody called to order a book. But significant sales. I have an 80%, 86% closing rate. And then I get humbled sometimes when I remember that when we created the 800 call center industry and opened the National Communication Center, we had close to 100%. Closing rate. It may have been 100%. 50 telephone reps on the floor at a given time, 150 total. We closed everybody. We closed everybody because we were dealing with the results of effective marketing. The first part of the good night kiss close had all been done for us. They didn't call because they were lonely. They called to ask a question or two and place an order. That's the result of effective marketing effective marketing is the first three quarters of the good night kiss closed so you know when prospect or client say well what, what's your closing rate when they call us well if you've done your job it's 100 uh, percent and i said but the good news is if you don't do your job nobody will call anyway so we'll have to have this discussion again the first half of the marketing uh, made them pick up the phone and call us. Uh, nowadays, a lot of that would be on computer. Same concept. Nothing's changed. And the same thing with the good kids' clothes. You get them set up properly. When you ask for the order, it's just the logical conclusion of the interaction you've had with them. It's not a sudden break. It's not like, oh, okay, here's your friend. Now I want to swap spit with you. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, it's the logical conclusion that everyone would expect the odd if it didn't happen. And that's the way I like to sell. Uh, I sell to friends. They're 10 years old, 50 years old, or uh, 10 minutes old. I'm selling to friends. That's the first key. Sell yourself. Then the 
the end product and then and the friendship you've been with them and then close the deal. They don't want to sit there all day either. So you, you close the deal. But, you know, someday we'll be in co-authors. Some wouldn't they? I'm going to write a book called The Openings instead of The Closers. Because I, if you can't do, if you can't do you the can. opening right, yeah, if you do the opening right, no point in knowing how to close. You'll never get there. Well, I think you should do that. And I was actually just scribbling a note. As you know, I'm writing a book you've offered. I'm still writing that darn book. But I'm getting close. And you had offered to write the forward for me, and I thank you for that. But I'm thinking that we need to include, we need to add another chapter to that book about the opening and the closing. So we'll talk about that. We'll, um, we'll do that. And let's you. tell all your good friends, listeners, that having read of the opening draft and know you anyway, you have awarded the seal of approval of the National Association of Professional Salespeople, which I hope will appear proudly on the cover like it does on the Closer series, the high honor in the sales world, and you have earned it. Thank you. And, you know, for the longest kind of time, I remember telling you a story, and I won't bore you with it again, other than to say when I was young, a very elderly man approached me, and I think it was in a feed store. I had bought a couple of little pigs at, a, at an auction. I talk with my hands. Well, I used to. I don't anymore. But I had two little baby <laughs> pigs. That I needed to do something about. And he was telling me, he said, honey, I got to tell you, you are the most natural salesperson I have ever met or the best natural salesperson I have ever met. And I was not happy. I was polite. I was like, oh, really? I had no idea what he was saying. And he was so sweet and he was so sincere. And to this day, and I've told you this before, I'm sure this man is long gone, but I think about him every day and say, thank you. And I hope I wasn't as rude or as dismissive as I think I was, because that was magic. You handed me magic, and I didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I wanted to, first of all, for those who are hungry for more about the closers, then tell people where they can find these. The closers are known as the sales Bible. You need to have them, in my opinion, and my opinion is very strong here, as part of your entrepreneurial library. I've had these books in my office for years. I use them all the time. So tell people where they can go to find. The best place to go, because they come with special pricing and free shipping, still bearing the lifetime money-back guarantee on all of our products, and still signed, dated by moi. Uh, they bring them to me before they ship them, even though they come from a different company, uh, is to go to stores, S-T-O-R-E-S dot eBay dot com forward slash Ronzoni Books, R-O-N-Z-O-N-E B didn't write that down or don't have it, you can go to Amazon, of course, but you'll pay more and you'll pay a little thing uh, and slower if you order at the stores.day.com forward slash Ronzoni books today. They'll go out today and you'll come in a very short time. Uh, a pleasure, Denise, being with you as always and uh, I hope we shared some valuable information. I even took some notes as we went along uh, of things our conversation reminded me of that I may have thought of as much as I should in the last few years. So thank you for that. Nice. Well, I will contact you in a bit. We're running out of time to find out what we're going to be talking about next week. And next week, and you had mentioned this earlier in the program, you mentioned your mentoring program. I'd like to talk a bit about that as well next week. So, everybody, yeah, thank you for spending time with us each week, and we hope that you will join us each Wednesday on your partner in Success Radio. Through the magic of storytelling, we delve deep into the realm of sales, and we unravel the mysteries behind effective closing techniques. Join us as we embark on a journey to help you master the art of closing, and whether you're a seasoned sales professional or just starting your career, this podcast is definitely for you. 
Ben has told you where to find him, and you can find me, Denise Griffiths, at yourpartnerinsuccessradio.com or denisegriffiths.com. This podcast can be heard anywhere you consume your favorite podcast from Apple to Audible, Audible. And Ben and I look forward to connecting with you each week. And don't let me forget this. If you have questions about sales or success or anything that we're talking about, we're easy to find. Just go to our websites, connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, shoot us a question. We'll do our best to answer those questions each week on the show. Ben, thank you. Thank you, dear. You have a wonderful day and look forward to next Wednesday. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab.